What is up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Jeff Balky. It's episode 10, but it's a particularly auspicious occasion as uh, I am joined by my new co-host, uh, 14-year uh, Major League veteran, former Astro and current Astro broadcaster, Jeff Blum Blummer. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, my friend? I appreciate it. I know that we've exchanged texts and talked a little bit through email and things like that, but it's nice yeah. to see your face and actually be same. formally introduced to you on your podcast. Yeah, same. I, like I said, I pulled out the uh, old school Astros hat <laughs> in your honor today, knowing that the old star logo was was from your era. And, yeah, the brick uh, red. The brick red. Absolutely. That's right. Um, we can find me on Twitter at Jeff Balke, J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K-E. And Blummer, you're at Blummer27, correct? Yeah, I try to keep it simple, both on Instagram and Twitter, just Blummer27. Yeah, mine's Jeff Balky everywhere. And by the way, there is another Jeff Balky out there. He is a comic book colorist, and he is always furious at me because I own all the Jeff Balkies around. Hey, charge a nice <laughs> fee and get it. I probably yeah. There you go. He's <laughs> Jeff Balky one like everywhere, and I know it. I, I emailed him once just, and he was like, "No, I don't want to talk to you." Uh, he didn't have any time for me whatsoever. So let's dive into a little bit of this. I wanted to first start out with we just passed the trading deadline. Uh, you know, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it very much. You know, before we dig into what the Astros did, I'm curious, what's it like in a clubhouse when a move like that? I know that the only guy that the Astros traded was Jake Odorizzi, uh, who was on the major league roster. Uh, Jose Siri had been there for a little bit. What is it like in the clubhouse to make moves like this, and and sort of how does the clubhouse respond to that, especially of one like the Astros, which is a pretty tight knit crew? Yeah, I think the Astros clubhouse is one of those unique situations, and I've talked to you know on air, I've talked to off air, I've talked to Craig Biggio, Jeff Bagwell, and how we were kind of a little envious of how good this clubhouse is and how <laughs> welcoming they are. Uh, you know, I think they have a pretty good idea of how to function and how to win. And I think when you have that expectation between 26 guys on a roster, it's pretty easy to function together. And if you're not in that group of 26 that want to move in the right direction of winning a not just a, a division, a World Series championship, yeah. I think that you get to, you know you can get filtered out pretty quick. But yeah. if you're going to come in and management feels like you're a good addition, these guys are going to welcome you with open arms. But the, again, the expectation when you come in, as nice as they are, you know that wears off a little bit if you're not hustling, if you're not playing to win right. and uh, putting together some good at-bats and throwing some good innings. So it, it, it's tough, but it's good. It's kind of remarkable, too, that they have kept a clubhouse that's this steady, despite some of the big, I mean, you know, losing Springer, losing Correa. I mean, this is a, a it's pretty remarkable that they've been able to continue that kind of steadiness in the clubhouse. I, th I think the reason that that's fascinating, you know, to us, we appreciate it because we keep saying, you know, this might be the golden era of Astros baseball, even compared to the 80s and that night, late 90s run that they had. Yeah. But uh, when you start to recognize around major leagues, how many organizations are trying to replicate what the Astros organization has done as far as developing talent, drafting talent, uh, the way that they put their analytics scheme together and the way that they produce on the field and have, you know, have quality at bats and quality innings pitched. I think that's where they that's where you start to recognize the greatness is when other organizations try to replicate mm -hmm. what you're doing. Yeah, it's the, the the classic culture argument that every team in sports is trying to capture that culture 
like the San Antonio Spurs have had in basketball, like the yep. Patriots have had in football. You want that culture that lasts. So what about for the guys who are being brought into something like this? Like, what is it, what's it like to end up on a team that, uh, you know, I mean, I, coming from the Orioles, they were having kind of a, a, a fun run for them, you know, that may not have led to much. Vasquez was obviously on the Red Sox. He knows success. What is it like coming into an organization like this where there is that culture, there is that sort of built-in mentality of, yeah, we're going to try to win it this year and every year? Yeah, you've kind of seen a couple of different dynamics, I feel like. You know, Will Smith is interesting. The left-hander yeah. they picked up from the Atlanta Braves just won a World Series in 2021 right. with them. Scuffling a little bit out of that bullpen. I think the change of scenery might actually be good for him. He was yeah. in a good bullpen. He's going to, a, I believe, a greater, better bullpen where he's going to be used yeah. a little bit differently like we just saw uh, the other night. And then you have... You know, Christian Vasquez, like you said, established Boston Red Sox, won a World Series with them in 2018. Mm -hmm. One of the better hitting catchers in all of baseball was doing a great job of throwing runners out, and he was top two in games caught with Martin Maldonado. Right. Now he's in a situation where he's going to split time, maybe be the backup. So how is he going to handle that? Maybe he recognized that a little bit. But I think once you get in the course of the season, you start to settle down a little bit and realize, okay, we've got a pretty good ball club. I'm going to <laughs> kick, I'm going to pick up some bonus shares in, in the playoffs <laughs> and maybe even a ring. Right. So that's always a nice thing. But then you see, you know, the the exact, uh, you know, the, the, the ideal guy that you pick up is Trey Mancini with attitude. I mean, this guy understood that he's leaving an organization that he's only known his entire life but he's been watching from afar how great the Astros have been and he wants a little bit of that taste of the postseason and some of the glory that these guys can can manage to uh, construct in a postseason so I, I'd like to see the enthusiasm from Trey Mancini and obviously that's paid off pretty quick yeah I mean have you ever seen a guy that's just waltzed waltzed into an organization <laughs> and just first of all never mind the three home runs in like three games or whatever it was but he came in here and it was as if he had just been here all along. He's like, I'm just thrilled to be. He's like the happiest guy you've ever heard. I mean, which is, I felt bad for Christian Vasquez. So the way it happened, he was on the field. There was that, oh, whole that was nonsense terrible. with the, I mean, whoever their communication staff is, they really, they got to <laughs> button that down because that was insane. You know, and the, here's Trey Mancini. It's just the opposite. He walks in and it's just like he's walking on air and happy as a clam. I mean, that. And then never mind the start. I mean, good grief. I mean, three, you know, going yard three times, including a grand slam. I mean, just what an unbelievable start for that guy. Yeah, I can compare it a little bit to the, you know, when I was with the Montreal Expos, I got traded to the Houston Astros and I yeah. made a quote. And this didn't mean to disparage the Montreal Expos. I'm right. sure Trey Mancini doesn't want to disparage his time with the yeah. Baltimore Orioles. But when you get traded to a team like I did in 02, with the Biggios, Bagwells, Billy Wagner, Shane Reynolds, you know, yeah. I mean, up and coming Lance Berkman, Roy Oswalt, these guys are about to explode. And I'm going, man, I feel like I just got called up again. You know, you <laughs> kind of have that that youthful enthusiasm again. I think that's sure. what you're seeing in Trey Mancini. He realizes that he got traded to a great ball club with a great opportunity. And I'm glad you brought up Will Smith. I'm interested really to see where he goes throughout this season. Like you said, it's he hasn't been pitching great, you know. A lot of the the uh, a lot of the exit velocity of the hits coming off him are super high. He's throwing a lot in the zone. Um, I'm I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, is there a more perfect fit for a guy like that? I mean, the Astros pitching staff is bar none the best in baseball to me, 
at really rejuvenating guys, understanding the analytics, understanding spin rates, no, like looking at guys and seeing how they throw and being able to work on their delivery. It must be great for a guy like him, especially a little bit later in his career where this might be a chance for him to become that lefty specialist, you know, that he really hasn't been on the Braves where he, you know, ne- they needed him a little bit more. What do you think is going to, do you think they're going to be able to shape him some in the, you know, even with this like, you know, couple months of the season left? Yeah, it's a combination of a couple things. It's obviously the track record that the Astros have with Brent Strom being here, really laying the foundation of being able to use some of the old school mentality, marry it with some of the new school technology and be able to use that to create different shapes on your pitches, uh, create more spin get a little more velocity in your delivery. So I expect Josh Miller to be able to do the same thing. Obviously, you know, he was tutored by Brent Strom, knows what he's doing, has a great relationship, understands the, you know, the Rapsodos and some of these other, you know, video technologies that you're able to work right. with these guys and you're able to get them in a position to maybe enhance what they already have. And the Astros don't just go out and just pluck guys because they're left-handed. They saw something in Will Smith that they liked, and they felt that they could enhance, and I think that's why he's here. So, number one, they're going to use the technology in the video to make his pitches that much better. He's already got a great slider. I love the shape of his slider. It's a Yeah, good he downer. really does. It's a deadly. Yeah, it's it's a, it really does drop a lot. Yeah, so that's a good thing. And then I think that the way that Dusty Baker can actually manage him and put him in perfect pockets throughout the course of the season and really Mm -hmm. pick up some big left-handed outs, that's going to make him better, put him in a better situation to succeed. And then also it's going to create so much depth in that bullpen to where you can use the Stanics, the Monteros, the Matons, the Neris's. I mean, mean, on and on, (laughs) on and on. Like it's, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and we're talking about like in 2017 when they're winning the world series, like they were mashing and, you know, pitching was really the problem. You know, they were yeah moving starters uh, to the bullpen. Yeah, exactly. And they were struggling. And this year it's, you know, they haven't been hitting as much, but my goodness, what a staff. I mean, you know, from Verlander on down. No, it's remarkable what they've been able to do right now. I believe they're sitting at 71 and 40 tied for the best record in baseball or best record in the American league, at least. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you talk to down there, even if it's a hitter or a pitcher, they all understand that it's been pitching that has put them in the position they're at, which I think is an amazing thing because if you can mm-hmm. maintain what that pitching has done, being number one in starter ERA, being number one in bullpen ERA in the American <laughs> League, then you add what could be a consistent offense. That's a frightening thing down the stretch and especially in the postseason. And what's remarkable, what they've done is they're not a high strikeout team, in, you know, as much yeah. as they have been in the past. They're, you know, they're a team that Verlander has really sort of changed that mentality about himself, has said, you know what, I, I'm going to try to go for longer stints. I'm not going to try to strike everybody out, This, you know, despite hitting 99 at 37 years old or what it's just unbelievable you know i I feel like and of course you've got guys like framber valdez who is a ground ball pitcher right the i think the most prolific ground ball pitcher in baseball um they really have made adjustments also because they have such a good defense you know they've got such good guys behind them defensively that they can throw ground i remember in bull durham and he was like you know telling him don't uh you know, throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Strikeouts are fascist. You know, <laughs> spread the wealth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah spread the wealth. I, I feel like that's something they're doing, and it's just it's really been kind of unbelievable to watch. Especially, you know, you're used to watching these teams hit home runs, and they're still doing that. 
but without the sort of power that they've had and with some of the in and out of injuries and that sort of thing. You mentioned Vasquez, too. I want to go back to that about him being one of the better hitting catchers in baseball. Mm-hmm. This team really has had a black hole in the bottom of their lineup for much of the season. Um, I've got to figure that's going to factor in, and we'll you know maybe not even see him just as catcher, but could we see him DH a little bit? You know, uh, he's such a good hitter. Yeah, I think that's you know he might be one of the more you know one of the I don't know if that's actually a sentence, but one of the more <laughs> tougher tough yeah. guys to put into that lineup because everybody you know admires and adores what Martin Maldonado can do behind yeah. the plate. He's done such a good job with this pitching staff. Uh, you know, commanding, uh, you know, their presence, getting the best out of them, preparing. But, you know, that's going to filter through to Christian Vasquez also and understand how to handle this pitching staff if, you know, when he does get in there. But you're right in the sense that, you know, you can you can maneuver Christian Vasquez a little bit. I know he's played a little bit of first base, kind of snuck in at second base if you desperately need a guy to play a position late in a ball right. game. Uh, he can DH. But the at-bats that he's putting together are are very good. He's gotten a couple of base hits going the other way. I think in Cleveland, he was actually on deck, ready to pinch hit with scoring with guys in scoring position for Martin Maldonado. So yeah. that's another aspect of how you for can sure. use Christian Vasquez. Late in the ball game, clutch, you know, clutch moment, high leverage with guys on base that you need that big at, big at bat, big hit. Maybe that's where he kind of fits in, but uh, it, it's going to be tough because he, he was the leading catcher as far as I think yeah. average coming into the game, coming yeah. to us at 282 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. That's about right. But uh, yeah, that, that's going to be really tough to, to find a way to you know keep both Maldonado and Vasquez happy, but a good problem to have. Yeah, it's it's good that they're friends. You know, I mean that they yeah, played true. together before, <laughs> and that certainly helps it. You know, and and I I think you know the thing that's interesting to me about Vasquez is he's. You know, you typically think, and you know, and and historically, that the catcher's been more of a, a power hitter, and Vasquez is really a, a guy that hits for average. I mean, he can hit to all parts of the field. Um, I, you know, I, I went to a game uh, right after the trade deadline, and ev- almost he w- and he was catching, and almost every shot he took at the ball was going the opposite direction. It maybe it maybe foul it off that way or whatever it was, but I was really impressed by the fact that he lets balls travel. Um, he's willing to sit on pitches, um, and and that's something you just don't see from ch- hitters. Period. Uh, that much, oh. you know. I mean, but for, especially from a catcher. Yeah, there's a there's a certain fearlessness if you're willing to let that ball get deep, go the other way, yeah. get to two strike counts. It allows you to see more pitches. But isn't that? I mean. It, just going back to what the Astros, they think about what they're doing. They keyhole right? guys that they want to go out and get, and Vasquez is one of those guys. You've got to be able to command the zone. You've got to be a high-contact guy when you go out there and play for the Houston Astros, and they found that guy in Christian Vasquez. It's a lot of fun to watch when you have nine guys on the same page because yeah. you know as well as I do, if, if, if a pitcher's living off the edges, the yeah. Astros aren't going to give you anything. They're going to force you to throw a ton of pitches and make mistakes. Yes. And and conversely, they're going to throw a lot of pitches in the zone. You know, they're not going to nibble yep. around the edges. They're going right after you. And they're like, listen, if you're going to hit, you're going to hit. Um, we're going to rely. On, we're going to trust our defense. And yeah, that's a, that. Obviously, that philosophy that they've that they've taken to heart has has been really successful for them. You know, good, we have some good news, bad news on the injury front. I mean, first we'll start with the bad news. Michael Brantley, you know, it doesn't sound encouraging. 
No, that that kind of surprised me a little bit. Just knowing yeah. that Michael Brantley, you know, a seasoned veteran, you know, a decade in the big leagues, always hitting 300. He understands what it's like to play 162 game to, games to fight through, yeah. you know, not necessarily fight through injuries, but to be able to play through pain, I think, is something that he's been able to do and obviously done for a long time. Yeah. And then once he's in a position where he doesn't feel like he's progressing the way he wants, and then you hear the comments from James Click, you start to go, yeah. whoa, this isn't good. Because we no. haven't heard a peep from Michael Brantley, and then Click's comments the other day really kind of sent a discouraging theme through the whole situation. So there is a lot of concern there for me personally. He hasn't swung a bat yet, has he? I, since yeah. June, I think he went out June 27th, I think was when he went out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a long time to not even really swing a bat. I mean, he's throwing the ball a little bit, I guess. I've, I've seen him toss in the outfield a little bit. But I mean, not swinging a bat, for that's a long time. That's a really long time. It's a little concerning, but at the same time, you still have what a month and a half left. Yeah. But if he if he can't get back for me personally, if he can't get back to that September first date and get back playing again, I think that's going to ca- cause a little bit of concern because I know Michael would love to have you know a good month's worth of at bats to get him sure. right again before he heads in, heads into the postseason. That would be uh, that would be tough if it gets a little bit deeper than that. Well, that's tough too because then you have to start making decisions for your postseason roster yep. and and you know everything gets. More more difficult um but we do have good news and that's lance mccullers um i'm a little curious about what you think you know he hasn't he hasn't had great numbers at sugarland um but it seems to me and he's kind of mentioned this i brian mctaggart's uh uh, column with his uh, newsletter which is fantastic i tell everybody to read it all the time he was talking to lance and saying you know, he's working on the shapes of his pitches. He's work. It's almost like spring training for him. And, of course, you see all these inflated ERAs and things in spring training all the time. Is that kind of what's going on with McCullers? He's out there just throwing, trying to get his rhythm back. I mean, he's up to 86 pitches now. But his exit velocity has been a little down. He's, like, down around 91, 92 miles an hour. And he says he's just working on shapes. Is that something we should probably just take him at his word on that? Well, I, th- I think you bring up a good point. We need to shift our mentality a little bit because, mm-hmm. like you said, he's kind of going through that spring training phase. And if he was yeah. doing this in spring training, guess who's going to be on our opening day roster? <laughs> Lance McCullers Jr. There's no, <laughs> exactly. there's no doubt about 100%. it. percent. You know. Uh, so I think that he's he's going to figure it out. I do believe that you know he is trying to figure out the shape. He's also trying to figure out what's comfortable for that arm and what he can actually do with that arm yeah. to go out there and be successful. I'm not a guy. When you have the caliber of pitcher of a Lance McCullers, you know, Mm -hmm. it might be a little bit different for a Luis Garcia or Mm -hmm. a a Jose Urquidy if they're rehabbing. I want to see a little bit more uh, production out of them because that will show me that they're right. But I think Lance is the type of guy, if he has the right shape, has the right mentality, and he also recovers nicely, Mm -hmm. I think that points in the direction that I want Lance McCullers in my my rotation, no matter what those numbers are. I'm not a big believer in some of those rehab numbers on guys that are as good as Lance McCullers Jr., just because I know that my team, no matter what his numbers were in AAA, (laughs) he's making my team better, not just as far as a presence or the mentality, but his stuff plays at the big leagues. We all know that. And don't forget the adrenaline of being on the stage in the big leagues that's going to give him maybe a mile an hour, two miles an hour on every single pitch he's got and maybe yeah. create a little bit better shape that he wants to see at the big league level. And that could be really encouraging. And nobody has that level of energy like like Lance oh, McCullers man. does. I mean, he Unri- is, he's a yeah. fireball. And and let me say something, too. Like, look, maybe he's, maybe he's down a mile or an hour or two, but he still has the curveball. It don't yeah. matter. 
right? You know, if he still can throw Absolutely. that curveball with that. I mean, what was it th- that he threw in that in the world to twenty six straight curveballs oh, or yeah. whatever it was? That one, like he he, he can told go the out. Yankees what was coming. And exactly, they hit it. he can just flat out beat you with that breaking pitch. It's it's unbelievable to watch. I, uh, so yeah, I'm glad to see him coming back. We got the Rangers in town right now. Obviously, you're going to be at those games. Um, I'm curious. I was going to ask you this. So the Rangers have a new ballpark now. Obviously, this one's at Minute Maid. Oof. But that old ballpark, that pizza oven that they used to play in, <laughs> I mean, I you could, I mean, like on a normal day, it felt like you could fry an egg inside there. I'm wondering what is the hottest place you've ever had to play? Well, the most consistent, obviously, is Arlington. Like you said, I yeah. love the pizza oven is actually a really good way of calling it because it's you know it's completely surrounded by brick yeah. and it, it could get incredibly hot. The only saving grace of that stadium in Arlington was the fact that the ball flew out of that place, so it was a great <laughs> place to hit. So you sacrificed you know a couple of lbs every day that you're sweating yeah. out of your body for a chance <laughs> to maybe jack one and get a cheap home run. But in, in, to bring that up, I mean, we talked about Pudge Rodriguez setting the all-time catch games caught record the other day, yeah. and he did it while playing in Arlington. So that just adds an extra, extra layer to Pudge's <laughs> legend. Do that? To, right? I have no <laughs> idea. That place is. But, everybody uh, always talks about Houston. They're like, oh, it must be like you know. They they always people who are not from here. They think Houston is like a desert town, like something out of a western. Oh, I'm like, man. no, this is more like a rainforest. You're talking about Dallas. Dallas is like, I mean, I've never felt heat like I've felt there unless I've been in Vegas or something like that. I mean, it's brutal. Well, if you smashed, if you smashed, you know, Arizona, Las Vegas heat together with a little humidity that that now you've got Dallas because it literally feels like your skin's melting off. Does it really? I wondered about what it must be like to stand under that for two and a half hour, three hours. Oh, yeah, you start to get a pitcher that's walking some guys, giving up some hits, and all of a sudden your shoulders kind of go from ready to, oh, my gosh, I can't take this anymore. (laughs) I want to run off the field. But uh, to to your question of what the hottest game I've ever played, believe it or not, was at, uh, oh, my God, Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah, it was it was the dead of August. We had a, it was oddly enough we had a family trip, so we had our wives with us, and they were trying to you know hunt for air conditioning in that stadium, and I, they couldn't find any. But uh, I was playing. It was a turf stadium. They had the dirt pits. I'm playing third base, and the the heat wave is about maybe nose level with yeah. my you know about six feet off the ground, yeah. and then. Uh, they measured the temperature on the turf at 130 degrees. So oh. in between pitches, I would wander over to the dirt pit because it was it was maybe 100 degrees on the dirt pit. You could, but the turf was just absorbing and regenerating that heat. It was oh ridiculous. My. Oh god! And Veterans Stadium of all places. I mean, that place Bro. is such a hole. Oh, just Dude, I mean, the funk that was melted. I mean, oh. just cr- this odors and the. Funk I mean, they have that a coming they out have of a place. jail. Ooh. They have a jail in Veterans <laughs> Stadium. I mean, Come on, that's it's a tells you brotherly at, love. We all love each other. I mean, that's why they had to, you know, they greased up the light poles when the Eagles were, so nobody could climb the light poles. And what they do, they just tore them down. Like, that's just, and I say this, and my, my, my father-in-law and his whole family are from Philly. So, uh, (laughs) I believe me, I know all about the insanity that goes on up there. That is hilarious. Veteran stadium. Good to know. I can't believe it was that hot, but that turf, yeah, turf will do it to you. It's every single time. So Verlander throws tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can you? What else can we even say about the guy? 
it, I, it seems to me like he's just defying every odd that has ever been set up. Like if if you were a, a guy who did prop bets, there's no way <laughs> you vote on you, you bet on anything with Furlong. You just have to bet like okay, I'm going to guess his ERA is going to be point seven at the end of the year or whatever. You cannot bet against this guy. It's unbelievable. It is, and we're really running out running out of you know the thesaurus isn't big enough to give him you right. know words for fantastic, unbelievable, freakish, you know because everything he does continues to go out there and amaze what we're seeing. I love the fact, and this goes back to your point about Will Smith, I love the fact that the Astros took a chance on Justin Verlander in 2017. Right. Yes, he got him to the World Series, but it was a point in Detroit where the the Tigers were kind of feeling, well, he might be at the end of his career, we'll get a return on him, and uh, you know he'll be out of the game in two years. Well, guess what? <laughs> He's competing for another Cy Young after Tommy John surgery, uh-huh. and he won one in 2019, so that's hard. It's that's where I try to remember who this guy was before the surgery is a Cy Young type pitcher. Right. But the fact that he had a catastrophic injury, well, it's not catastrophic anymore, I feel not, like, but a Tommy John not. surgery. Yeah. And now he's the, you know, the, you know, $25 million bionic man that can go out there and pitch. But if you really want to get a good comp and a good comparison of what he's doing, his numbers right now are eerily similar to 2011 when he pitched them into the playoffs, won an MVP, and won a Cy Young in the American League. And that's what's astonishing to me because that wow. is 11 years ago that he did that. Yet he's 39, post-Tommy John, going out there and pitching lights out with you know sub-200 uh, batting average against, a sub-2 ERA, and his whip is continually at .8. I don't that's understand it. how he's I, that able is, to not allow hits or walks. That's unbelievable. That's one of the most incredible numbers to me is the whip. The, the numbers. Yeah, this like, deep in the season? Yeah, especially because, look, Verlander's a guy we know that gives up the home run on occasion because he does live in the zone. and uh, But the fact that he's just not giving up hard contact – like almost at all, which is just incredible. And he's pitching to more contact. Right. And he's pitching to more contact and not giving up hard contact. And he's not walking anybody because he's throwing in the zone all the time. Yeah. It's, it's to me, it's when you look back now at the trades, the Astros have done, the Astros have certainly made some incredible trades for pitchers, whether it was Nolan Ryan or, uh, you know, Randy Johnson or (laughs) Roger Clements, you know, and they're like making Mm -hmm. these free agent signings and, you know, adding guys, um, to me, this now ranks as the as the greatest, certainly greatest pitching acquisition. Yeah, it's got to be in the history of the franchise. I mean, just and and look, he he might get more than twenty five million next year. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, the insane right. thing. Like he's got the opt in for twenty five million. He might be like, mm, I think I can get thirty. You know, and he probably wouldn't be wrong. No, and that's I, just I completely it, agree. It's unreal, <laughs> and and it's too interesting when you say that, like. They took a chance on him. It happens a lot of times where teams, and especially team owners, get enamored with a guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like Verlander yeah. was going into Tommy John surgery. They didn't have to bring him back. And you, you look at uh, a lot of times owners will be like, well, you know, this guy's been so good for the franchise and they want to stick with him because it's, you know, it's a home, you know, he's, you, you just want him. It feels good, right? But you have to make hard decisions. In this case, it was absolutely the right decision, and hey, good for Jim Crane for being a guy who stuck to his guns and was right. 
Yeah, no, and and trust me, there's a lot more than Jim Crane enamored with this guy, and we were yeah, all kind of curious right. to see if he was able to come back. <laughs> and I, you know, the name himself, you know, give Jim credit. He knows that the name Justin Verlander every five days, especially at home, yeah. is going to put butts in the seats. I'll you be know, there tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going. You know, and I, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. True fans are going to watch this guy go out and pitch, but yeah. at the same time, it was also a ed- pretty educated guess, knowing that you've got a high caliber. Uh, not just talent-wise, but also mentality-wise with Justin Verlander. Yeah. And taking a chance on a guy who's willing to work his... I don't know if I can say work his ass off, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> yeah, you can. But, you know, Verlander's a guy that's going to work his ass off to get back yeah. to peak performance because he understands his legacy. I'll take a chance on that guy, and Jim did, and it was a great yeah. call. Well, he's he's Tom Brady. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he's definitely all of getting the, into that realm, right? I mean, that's what you look at. You look, I mean, I watch, I had mentioned this to you yesterday. I watched the Nolan Ryan documentary finally. Yeah. And uh, it's just like you see it. It's just that, you know, the, the greatest, I've always contended, the greatest athletes, no matter what, what athlete they are, whether it's an Olympic athlete or a, 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 you know, pro football, basketball, baseball. The best ones are that combination of God-given genetic, uh, you know, material, um, mm-hmm. a and just a ridiculous work ethic combined with just an insane drive to be successful. You just see that where the, the guys they talk about where it hurts worse to lose than it feels good to win and you just feel like justin verlander is one of those guys he's just that's who he is he doesn't he never wants to back off and he just seems to me like the guy that when he gets to the point where he's done he's just gonna be like that's it i'm good you know and i you gotta admire that in a guy because that's hard to put yourself out there i mean you know you went through it for season after season it must be in just almost impossible to get your body ready year after year after year well, it is number one, and then you get to the age of Justin Verlander after the injury that Justin Verlander had. Even this even follows for with what Lance McCullers Jr. Mm-hmm. is going through. Yeah, there gets you get to a point sometimes, or at certain points in your career, where it's almost more work to get on the field. But that's where that drive and that mentality of of, of success and achieving overwhelms the process. So you're willing to go through yeah. the the actual process of getting ready for the game because you want to succeed so bad. And that's where those guys kind of separate themselves. Yeah. You know, it, it happens with elite athletes and, and players that get to this level. But then there's another gear, like you said, with some of these greats that actually can take it another step further and accomplish what they want. But uh, he's a freak yeah. of nature and he's a lot of fun to watch. I always think about the story about Hakeem Olajuwon playing in the finals dur- or in the playoffs during Ramadan where he didn't eat or drink at all during the entire day. And they'd have a yeah. day game. You know, they'd have a noon <laughs> game and he just didn't drink water during the game. I'm like, those those guys just they have a different they're just different cats. How old were you when you finally retired? Oh man, I was uh, 39 and a half years old. Uh you know, I got released July 18th of 2012 and that was that was the last uh game i ever played but uh so was it, and a half i mean years old. at that point you must have just been like i oh dude i, I mean dude. how hard is it to get i mean how hard is it to get up every day and like all right i gotta get after it again i mean look it's the greatest thing in the world to be able to play sports obviously but the toll it takes must just be brutal yeah, and that was towards a part of my career where I was starting to break down physically, and I was mm. trying to overcome things that I had no control over. So <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, I felt like the more I prepared, the more I set myself up to 
to break, uh, you yeah. know, doing some of the things I did. You know, my first year with the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, you know, I go into spring training. I make a move to my right, and all of a sudden meniscus and cartilage are going everywhere. Oh I have God. to have knee surgery. I come back, and I get a bad hop on a ground ball. It breaks my hand. Uh, you know, <laughs> me being, a you know, a sadistic, I came back the next year and tried to finish out my contract. I break with the team, and I tear both obliques on the left side. And oh I'm like, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, okay, you know, I kind of pointed to the sky and said, okay, yeah, I get it, I'm yeah. done, I'm ready. Universe is like, <laughs> universe is giving you a message. It's time to listen. I, you know, yep. I that's that kind of stuff to me. A buddy of mine a few years ago uh, hurt his knee, just you know, like playing pickup basketball, and I said, mm-hmm. uh, what's wrong with your knee? He goes, it's almost fifty. That's what's wrong with yeah. it. You know, it's like that's, you know, that's kind of the deal. It's like it's, you know, what do they say? You know, uh, time never loses. Ultimately, no, Mother no. Nature always wins in the end. Um, all right, well, tonight, Ranger game. Uh, Verlander, to me, it's I, I'm never ever going to bet against Verlander winning a, or losing a game again. I'm always going to assume that every time he goes out, he's going to win. At least last night, the Astros put up some runs, which was good yeah. to see. The Rangers are pretty much terrible, So, um, and they're the, and they're the Rangers. They're from Dallas, so... Anything we can do to beat them soundly, I will be happy about. And I'm going. Buddy of mine called me a little while ago and said, hey, man, uh, I've got seats right behind home plate. You want to come with me? I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like six rows behind home plate. I'm like, "Uh, yeah. I will be down there eating some of that really good barbecue that they happen to serve down there. What do you think the best food in Minute Maid is right now? Oh, my gosh. Take your pick. I know that. So much uh, good food there. Yeah, on the on the club level, you know, uh, what is it, Oso Cristala with their pizzas are good, but the bar, mm. like, you can't go wrong with the barbecue in the ballpark. I know that if I have a chance, I will go up into the right field corner in the Michelob Ultra Lounge. Yeah, oh yeah. Not just, be, the view's great, the bar up there is great. Yeah. Uh, Killens is up there, and I'm a burnt ends type of guy, and they have some of the best burnt ends. Oh, Ronnie Killen is a is a barbecue genius. I did a I did a story yeah. about him a few years ago where I spent the entire morning with him watching him make barbecue. Oh wow! And uh, and then had lunch with him and we talked about our German grandmothers. And uh, <laughs> we had a it was like a religious experience. And I remember I ate so much food that I was physically ill for like two days. <laughs> it was just I w- I went into I ate myself literally sick. But it, That's amazing. I, it was amazing. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us on episode 10. Blummer, thank you so much as always. You got anything you need to plug before uh, we wrap it up? No, I'm just glad to be on here with you. Uh, you can always yeah. find my, me on you know, on Twitter and Instagram, at Blummer27. Uh, my Instagram's usually a pretty good time if I'm feeling frisky. And then, uh, of course, I've got another podcast, Bleacher Blunts. Uh, but uh, it's good to start this with you. So yeah, far, so good. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And guys, uh, stay tuned. Next week, we'll be back with another episode talking Astros. Catch me on Twitter at Jeff Balke, J-E-F-F-B-A-L-K-E. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Astros. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. 
purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.